Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Today, we're talking about chapter two of book two of The Two Towers. I've been waiting so Ew. long to say that. Ew. <laughs> I feel gross. So many twos. Uh, that being the passage of the marshes. So, as always, we're going to start off with Today in Middle Earth and Elvish Word of the Day. Then a quick recap of last week's readings, followed by a longer recap of this week's readings, capping it off with our favorites, both from the week's reading and from the past week of our lives. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. All right, Katie, today is March 31st. You want to take it away? Right. So um, once again, so last week, pretty much everything went down, as we talked about. Um, Did Igby go down? You know, maybe. Igby. Isn't that a movie starring Kieran Culkin? Igby goes down. Igby goes down. It. I. I don't know. It sounds familiar. But anyway, everything in Middle Earth goes down. Last week. To on this actual day, March thirty first, not a whole lot really is going on besides Minas Tirith is kind of bustling about a little bit preparations are being made in Minas Tirith. Uh, but I will say that this past week, like a couple days ago, on the 28th, um, Celeborn crosses the Anduin and um, starts to work to kind of expel some some forces. Because uh, w- while all the main stuff is kind of going on in the, in, in the fields of the Pelennor and then out around, um, Lorien has been attacked three times throughout the past couple of weeks. And uh, so now, after the fall of Barad-dûr, um, kind of the rest of Sauron's nasty friends are being pushed out of other places. For a split second, for some reason, I thought you were talking about the Silmarillion stuff, and I was like, I didn't think they had like months <laughs> and days then, but but now I get what you're talking about. You're talking uh, about Lord of the Rings stuff. I'm talking about Lord of the Rings stuff. So I shouldn't be listening yep. to. I mean, <clears throat> it's I, again, it's not like I, I'm not telling you huge, gigantic spoilers. Oh, like Silmarillion stuff, stuff spoiled happened. Lord of the Rings. So <laughs> check chapter of the Lord of the Rings for more information. <laughs> Let me tell you about the whole War of the Ring. Um, but yeah, there's that. All right, and our word, our Elvish word today. Yes, so I chose uh, another rather apt word, I think, if I do say so myself. So, uh, the is it word noodle? Of... No, it's not noodle. That would have been that would have been for last week, guys. <laughs> uh, this word pertains to this week, and the word that I chose, and, and once again, I'm doing my darndest to pronounce to pronunciate haha, uh, correctly because again I don't actually speak Elvish but I can look up and see how things are pronounced and do my best uh, so the word today is Gurth um, and Gorth? yeah Gorth. Oh, Gorth. but the R so the R is trilled oh Gorth. yeah there you go all right um, and that means death in Cinderin All right. Well, that's a, it's pretty, that's a bleak pretty, one, actually. It's a pretty ugly sounding word. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Did you just like go with ugliness for like this, like some an ugly sounding word for this week's episode? Because this this is a gross, this is a yeah. gross yeah. chapter yeah. to read. I mean, it, it yeah, it, 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 it has to do with, with stuff in this week's episode. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of this week's episode, Chase... What happened on last week's episode? <laughs> we went back to the perspective of Frodo and Sam. As Remind th- me who those are. Those are two hobbits 
Remind one me is the one's of the Baggins ilk, and the other <laughs> ones is of the Ganji something. Gamji. Just Gamji. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought there was an extra word there. I don't know no, why. No. And anyway, but they are kind of lost out in the out, out in the wilderness, and then Golem shows up and gives them a big fright. So, but then they kind of tame him, and then now they're set off again. Yep. Basically it. And basically, what remember, uh, Frodo had demanded that Gollum make a swear on the precious. Yeah, well, Go- yeah, Gollum was the one who said he would swear on the precious. But yeah, uh, to to promise to him that that he will uh, serve Frodo and act, and more importantly that he will lead them to Mordor. Be the master of the precious. <laughs> the master of the precious. All right. Well, let's take it away with this week. Chapter 2, Book 2, Towers 2, <laughs> The Passage of the Marshes 2. No. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> what is happening? Uh, I am flogging a dead joke. Yes, yeah, you, you are. Yeah, you are. Uh, so, so <laughs> we... <laughs> Go ahead. You would think that after like four months of recording this podcast remotely, Katie and I would be able to like figure out who's going to speak first. But <laughs> no. it just doesn't happen. We're there. recording across several miles. Yeah. And there is probably a delay of some sort. And you managed to both still do that. It's because we're in each other's brains. Wow. So we pick up where we left off last week with Gollum now having sworn this oath to show Frodo and Sam the way to Mordor. And they're kind of just following him. Yeah, they right. they can smell the marsh. Yeah. They can, they can kind of see the marsh. They can feel the marsh, but they're not to the marsh yet. <laughs> they're just they're just not there yet. That's yeah, that's pretty much it. Um also it's worth to note that at this point it doesn't seem like Gollum is trying to escape them anymore. It seems like he's, you know, holding to his his promise and that he's kind of willingly leading them he's like running ahead and stopping every so much so catch up yeah he come he come one you know constantly is making sure that they're still there and still following him and stuff so so yeah um and yeah Gollum is leading them along and then he 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 sings this odd little Gollum song it <laughs> uh, was a weird that, thing which i I mean, we already kind of discussed this last week about Andy Serkis mm-hmm. not being able to hear Gollum in any other performance but Andy Serkis's, and this song is oh yeah immediately took me to that. Bit. Yeah, totally. Uh, what what really struck me about the song was the weird rhyme scheme, though. Mm-hmm. It's A A B C C B D D B. I forget what A A B. Yeah, because it, the rhyme. No, the rhymes are it's a okay. It's hand, lands, hands, feet, stones, bones, meat, pool, cool, feet. Right, 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 right. So that's a a b c c b d d b. Um, I feel like I feel like that's a rhyme scheme that I don't know. Regardless, but and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But the impression you get in this chapter is that Gollum is actually very intelligent. Yes. Yeah. That was something I noted as well when I was reading it mm-hmm. because beforehand i mean if we go back to the hobbit he's just kind of this like weird pitiful monster and this might even be a a, a, you could probably attribute to this whether or not tolkien 
knew that this character was going to come back in the storyline or just kind of like th- had him as like a throwaway character for this ri- for this riddle thing in in the hobbit but whatever mm-hmm. it seems that maybe even tolkien g- gained more respect or just put more work into the character between the two books well i want to say they're radically different i'm just saying mm-hmm. that Gollum as a character does become radically more important of course um and if you remember way back to the hobbit uh that that chapter riddles in the dark remember it was actually rewritten to make Gollum, actually to make Gollum more sinister um and and scary as a character and then but i mean yeah we have to remember back to this riddle game though i mean that's that's a game of wits so um i do agree however that that Gollum does seem more more intelligent and crafty in this in this chapter than we have maybe considered him before um but yeah no Gollum's a fascinating character so anyway Gollum is kind of saying this rhythm I mean this rhyme this song that has both rhymes and rhythms I'm really off it right now I'm sorry um and he's basically (laughs) trying he's like splashing around the creek trying to find a fish or something to eat and this gets into Sam's head because Sam had been thinking, like, how are we going to stretch our food for two into food for three? And then beyond that, Sam begins to worry, oh, no, what if Gollum tries to eat us? Exactly. <laughs> Which I was thinking that's kind of a reasonable concern that yeah. I held with. I held with Sam halfway through this chapter then i started to realize that that's actually kind of a because my my actually i probably should go on this later but my mental impression of Gollum is not like anything i have seen previously i kind of started to craft my own internal it was based on a few there was a few key lines in this chapter that made me start rethinking how Gollum looks Mm -hmm. um the neck, his neck being longer than I originally had presumed, so I'm not even, I'm not even necessarily imagining him like he's, he's how old again? Oh very. gosh, um, like he's over five hundred. Very, yeah, he's, um, I want to say at least four hundred years old. Um, so I was starting to like think of, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm probably just wasting time thinking about this. this, but I just started to like thinking of him as a much more alien looking figure than like almost like the concept of him being like a hobbit like creature to be a shock than anything else. But anyway, I guess, I guess I'm just don't, don't we don't even need to worry about going off on this. I just wanted to just bring. That well, up. yeah. So anyway, they're talking um, about how we don't have fish and Gollum doesn't seem to be able to have any. And so Frodo's like, well, we do have this and offers him some limbus on, on a corner of the leaf. And of course, we saw Gollum react last week to the the elvish rope as almost as if just the mere fact that it had been created by elves was like burning him and hurting him. And Gollum is disgusted. He can sm- he can yeah. smell the elves on the leaf, and then he tries to eat a little bit of the limbus, and it he like starts spitting and choking and like calling it like ash and dust, yeah, and, and like choking him. Basically, he references acting like he's being poisoned. Yeah. Which I guess could make sense. I mean, his body has been, I mean, again, several hundred years. Yeah, so thank you, Wikipedia. Um, 
la 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 la. Gom's life has extended far beyond that of other members of his clan. An average hobbit lifespan is over 100 years, but a span of 556 years separates Gollum's finding of the ring in TA-2463 and its destruction, um, by which time he would have been approaching an age of 600 years. So, yeah. So that makes sense. So he, his body must be, his digestive system at least, would probably have to be completely reworked around to where it probably, bread probably doesn't even work with his system, period. Somebody give that poor little creature some pro- some probiotics. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably a reason why he has to eat fish and, and, it's, and dirt it's all, bugs. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, nasty. But also I think, I mean... You know, re- regardless of like the physiological aspect of what he's eating, think about it. Like it's it's just another kind of this is a nasty, mangled, poor creature. Yeah, that's reduced to eating like grubs and. I'm I'm just imagining things. for some reason Gollum with like the effects of gravity upon him have like pressed him down <laughs> to where his like his neck is like overly extended, but his body is like closer to the earth and his like like. A really alien figure. Okay, yeah, now what I'm, I'm imagining is that picture of that cat that's sitting weirdly and it looks like E.T. <laughs> anyway, they, after this food discussion, they decide to like sit and rest for a while. And Frodo and Sam kind of come to the conclusion that one will sleep while the other keeps watch. And so Frodo goes to sleep first and Sam decides that he will wake Frodo up when he can no longer stay awake. And of course, the and thing that happens instead happen. is that Sam falls asleep almost immediately and wakes up like nine hours later and is very upset and is like this is what it means to sleep the whole day away because yeah well he sees Gollum I mean he sees Frodo is still sleeping and he doesn't see Gollum and he's you know just sure that Gollum has has gone and that they shouldn't have trusted him they should have tied him up and what I love is then it's okay so it says Gollum was not to be seen various reproachful names for himself came to Sam's mind drawn from the gaffer's large paternal word hoard <laughs> probably worse than ninny hammer yes much I worse just than ninny loved the phrase the gaffer's large paternal word hoard that's pretty great um but then Sam realizes he's like wait a minute wait a minute I'm alive Frodo's alive so clearly like Maybe Gollum is a little more respectful than I thought. And so Sam calls out and Gollum's like, oh, I'm right here. And Gollum is, in fact, kind of chowing down on some nasty bugs or whatever. And he's like, well, he, with- yeah, he says he's hungry and then go runs away. Yeah. And Sam wakes Frodo up at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's at this time that once again, you know, he's concerned about their food supply and Gollum has run off to find his 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 own sustenance. And, you know, Sam is kind of thinking about it. You know, he, he's he's tired of Lembus cake and, um, th- you know, it is it is nourishing, at least it keeps them on their feet. But it's nothing like a good meal, too. You know? oh, but part. additionally, those Lembus cakes are running out and he reckons that they have about three weeks left. And that's if they eat lightly. And that's even and, like planning on a trip back. Well, yeah. And, and so so he, he asked Frodo, you know, how long do you think this is going to take? And, you know, what are we going to do uh, when we get to that point? And it's at this time that really Frodo makes a, a, a comment basically without saying it that he, he he's not planning on them coming back. Yeah. Um, he says, you know, I pretty much only think we need to worry about getting there. And then, you know, after that, I don't know, but I, I can't imagine getting the, back out. And the absolute weight 
mm-hmm. of this entire trip, I think fully hit Frodo in that moment. Yeah. And we're not going to hear from Frodo again for a while, by the way. <laughs> he kind of like checks out because mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. And it kind of hits Sam too, I think, in a lesser way. But um, yeah, it's a very real and somber uh, moment. Sam has a way of bouncing back off these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, Gollum returns with his face all muddy and, you know, chewing who knows what. And, uh, you know, we don't really care to know. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes a point like bugs and worms. And, of course, like Sam is like, bleh, gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pitiful worm thing. And they continue on and... um. There's this great line now that 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 comes up. Um, you know, they well, first of all, they uh, we, we get once again another kind of description of Mordor looming in now the nearer distance because it's we're we're kind of closing in on it now. And then there's this great line, and it says the hobbits were now wholly in the hands of Gollum. And uh, this was, I think, this this chapter was really um, and uh. An interesting kind of study, again, on the further development of the interaction between these three characters, because in the last chapter we saw, again, you know, like Gollum kind of groveling in, fr- in front yeah, of Frodo yeah. as his master. And we saw that from Sam's point of view. And um, it's true, you know, Gollum is serving them still, but at the same time, they have to rely on him and trust him to lead them. Is he going to run away? Is he going to come back? And already throughout the chapter, we've had a couple of moments like that. Um yeah, so, and at this moment, the narrator gives a little like geographical information, saying that they're in the marshes, and we've had discussion or description of the marshes as like stinking and being gross and mm-hmm. misty and hard to navigate, and that's why they're in Gollum's hands. It says they're they're actually very close to the edge of the marsh, and if they wanted, they could leave Gollum and take the high road. And then in the next paragraph, Gollum even offers this up to them, and he says, "If you don't like it here, you can." take the road, but the enemy will be watching the road and his servants are there and they will be happy to take you to him directly. Right. So if you want to, if you want to get to Mordor without being seen, then you have to follow me. Right. So again, they're kind of really having, having to rely upon Gollum now and trust him whether they want to or not. Yes. And Gollum even says like the reason why we're taking this is because this place is so like off putting. Right. Nobody else would be here. And the, the mist is, you know, it helps us disguise ourselves. Because so. no one would choose to go here. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so, yeah, we, again, we get this kind of description of, of the dead marshes. Um, it, it's like this stinking wetland and this expanse of this wasteland, sort of like haunted. He, Tolkien throws out every single descriptor he's yes. got under his belt in this chapter. Because Reeking, filth. Greasy, yep. greasy water, mm-hmm. you know, weedy, like there's weeds everywhere and nothing is really growing there except for these like horrible weeds. It's mm-hmm. just like the exact, we have, we have come to an area that is like as far away from the Shire mm-hmm. and then even further at the, in the, in this chapter, but they're so far away from the Shire in this moment. Yeah. And again, like I, I, I love when words sound uh like the things that they're describing like we get um uh dreary and wearisome which 
are of course exactly what we're talking about but then the the combination of the word cold clammy makes me feel gross um which i think is fitting here and then uh says the only green was the scum of livid weed on the dark greasy <laughs> surfaces of the sullen waters and that again the whole sound of that sentence like the sounds that those words make in your mouth just i don't know they unpleasant yeah it's unpleasant um so yeah i think uh and rotting reeds too and then to like cap cap it off like on the outskirts the mountain walls of mordor loomed like a black bar of rugged clouds float Floating above a dangerous fog-bound sea. Yeah. Do you hear all those? What, what the the consonants I was leaning into on that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of like googling sounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just like just 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 like our word of the day is. It's like almost like our uh, our death. author was like well versed in the bardic traditions almost. of uh, epic poetry. It's almost like yeah. <laughs> um, so they continue on. And uh, they notice these weird, ghostly kind of lights floating yeah. around. Well, specifically, it's Sam, Sam who notices. Yeah, them. Sam who sees this. And yeah, they're 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 creepy and and just kind of ghostly, and they seem to just you know appear. They're creepy and they're ghostly. Oh. <laughs> they, they appear just mostly. I walked into that. And Sam, they think he thinks they're. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Gollum calls them candles of corpses, which is pretty great. And that sounds like a band. Yeah, everything about this chapter is weird. There could be a band called Candles of Corpses. It would have to be like all uh, Middle Earth inspired. Christopher Lee was the front runner. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that was sad. I didn't mean for that to be sad. sad. Oh. But yeah, and Gollum, of course, warns them to ignore ignore the lights and not follow them. And. Where's Frodo at? And they turn around and can't find Frodo. Yeah, and Frodo's in this weird kind of like dreamlike oh. trance state. Um, and yeah, Sam snaps him out of it and then turns around to kind of continue on. And uh, it, it's important to note also that throughout this whole time, like again, Frodo has been kind of lagging behind. Not saying anything. Um, yeah. And so Sam, you know, has turned back around to follow Gollum and trips and falls. And, uh, like, his hands fall into this, like, marshy Ugh, muck grossness. This grossed me out. So he sinks several inches into mm-hmm. the mud. Which I think we've all been there at one moment or another. And that's just so... Hopefully <sighs> hopefully not as horrifying as this, actually, I... though. Well, because, yes, then immediately Sam happens to see yeah. something. Yeah. And shrieks, like, yells out that he sees dead faces in the water. Um, I worked summers at a rodeo in Springdale... And there were dead faces in the yeah, water. It was pretty close to this, <laughs> all I could say. Ew. Um and yeah, Frodo had 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 seen them too in the water and possibly is what is, you know, causing him to be in such a such a state right now. And yeah, uh Gollum tells them this is the dead the dead marshes and you know, they say it looks like I see men and elves and Gollum tells them, yeah, there were men, elves and orcs and they uh, fought in a battle here long ago. And now the uh, water overtook them and overtook the graves. And yeah, this is where this is one of those moments where Gollum kind of betrays his mm-hmm, intelligence because mm-hmm. he explicitly says that this is a story that he grew up with, like, you know, some 500 right, years right. ago. Now, is this 
the remnants of the battle that I'm thinking that this is the remnants of the battle that I'm thinking of, the remnants of the battle I'm thinking. I'm Pro- sorry, I didn't mean to get into tautology on that. Probably one. yes. Uh, so what 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 the where the dead marshes are? They're within the Dagarlad, which and the Dagarlad means uh, battle plain in Sindarin. Just if you wanted to know, and that is actually the battle plain where um, the war between the forces of Sauron and the last alliance of men and elves at the end of the second age had been fought. Um, That's what I assumed it was. Yep. Yes. Uh, and other battles after that too. But yeah, definitely. That's, yep. That's what's going on. Um, and so, yeah, you know, Sam of course then says, you know, well, that was at least an age ago. Um, so how could they still even be there? And it's kind of, you know, just this, creepy ghostly thing and Gollum says then makes an even creepier <laughs> comment about like you you can't touch them and kind of like I know because I've tried yeah yeah that and, was and a little so, and, like doesn't like has that thought of like I shouldn't really think about why he was doing that which I think you know were prodded to believe okay Gollum was trying to eat the corpses yeah, that's what I... Yeah, because that's yeah. where I think Sam would jump to as well. <laughs> so that's terrifying. Uh, to jump back a little bit, one thing that we did not yet discuss, but that happened prior to this instance, was um, Gollum got... Like, before this happened, Gollum got freaked out because he could, like, smell things were changing. And Sam was like, yeah, it smells better. And Gollum's like, that's bad. The wind is coming and, like, mm-hmm. driving the mists away. And things clear up a little bit. And then a ring wraith comes flying over, kind of does this large swoop over them. And Gollum gets really terrified because, of course, the the ring wraiths uh, are, are drawn to the ring. And so Gollum is, is afraid that they're going to I think that actually happens after this, though. It, there, there's a reference oh, to this. them hearing it or seeing it or like a flapping, but not really. But it doesn't really it doesn't really like. We as a reader know what it is, but then it comes back later and they're like fully talking about it where Golem's like, oh, race with wings. Oh, no, but you're right. Yeah, it happens, it happens like right after, after this, this particular light thing. Sorry, I had already turned to the page and then I turned to the page back to get to this. And that I just assumed. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. So, but yeah, that, that does. Yeah. So, you know, they, they continue going on and they hear this, of course, piercing shriek that you never want to hear. Um and Gollum, of course, now is really becoming more and more, more on edge. And he says that the Nazgul see everything um, and report it back to their master. Their master, of course, being the Dark Lord. Um, so this is nasty, not, not, not good. And Gollum's starting to get very tense about this. And Sam notices yet another change in Gollum and sees him because... You know, we had said at the beginning of the chapter that Gollum had kind of been uh, sounding more and more or seeming more and more to want to please them. And now he's starting to creep back into that kind of precious talking, talking to himself and sounding more like Gollum than like Smeagol. Um And additionally, Sam is worried because Frodo continues to get weaker and Frodo himself continues to feel the weight of the ring becoming more and more burdensome and also uh, is really really disturbed at the idea of 
the eye kind of seeing them always mm-hmm. and having uh his uh the, the Nazgul come out and report to him and all that so basically again you're always on watch the yeah. does the timeline sync up to where that that Nazgul they see go off with it, it... well so you kind of erased the middle part of the chapter because this Nazgul flies in a circle oh, and returns right. to my doom. But the Nazgul oh, at the end of the chapter, which right. I did not want to discuss <laughs> until the end of the chapter, but we're there now, that one f- flies s- straight away much faster, much higher, and so clearly it was off on another errand, the implication being that this was the one that goes okay. to navigate the Palantir. I got mixed up. I got the mixed Palantir up. Palantir after Mary activates it. There are two references to the Pippin Nazgul, and I got mixed up. But anyway, they continue on. And fifth day through the marshes, they are getting nearer and nearer to to the Black Gate. And mountains looming over them and everything. Yeah, and they're basically they they've gone past the marshes now, and the land is drying up, and it's you know just dead and barren and like completely full of nasty unwelcome kind of ground yes and uh they're standing there um i really liked the the writing here again it says for a while they stood there like men on the edge of a sleep where nightmare lurks holding it off though they know that they can only come to morning through the shadows that was incredible yeah (laughs) um it might be spoilery for our own episode um that's one of my favorite parts of the whole chapter (laughs) That is my favorite part of the whole chapter, actually. But it's pretty great, yeah. And again, they're kind of, they've come to this point. Um, I mean, a long time ago was the point of no return, but we're really oh, yeah. getting to, like, you know, it's, it's we're so close. The deed's going to be done soon. Yeah. Or has to or, be done. Or, or se- we're dead. Seem, yeah, seems like it. So, of course, then, too weary to go on, they decide to kind of rest again, and Fredo and Sam fall asleep. But Sam being Sam wakes up a little early. Mm-hmm. And what does he happen to hear? Gollum having a conversation with... I'm trying to remember how it was worded exactly. It was a very odd wording and I loved it. It's, it was something like the voice being occupied by two thoughts, being I think, is the wording thoughts, that yes, he uses. That's what it was. Yeah. It says... Yeah. Well, it says Gollum was talking to himself. Smeagol was holding a debate with some other thought that used the same voice but made it squeak and hiss. A pale yeah. light and a green light alternated in his eyes as he spoke. Yeah. So Sam is witnessing this kind of like tearing between the two, you know, like warring personalities within this creature. Um and yeah, Gollum we have Gollum who's saying, you know, take we can take back the precious if we we what, like we could become the master we can and, overpower them we could do this right and smeagol saying but no we promised them and you know the hobbits have been nice to us and have spoken nicely to us and, and i mas- made a promise and he's the master he's the master mm-hmm. well um, and so then Gollum says you know we promised to do whatever the master says but if, if if we take the ring then we can be the master right and then i really love this moment uh Perhaps we grow is very strong, stronger than Wraith's. Lord Smeagol, Gollum the Great, the Gollum. 
Mm-hmm. Eat fish every day, three times a day, fresh from the sea. Most precious golem, we must have it. We want it, we want it, we want it. Yeah. I love that little bit about the three fish a day. That was great. I just liked where he was like coming up with titles for himself. Title, yeah. yeah. The, because yeah. like clearly this I think I feel like this is more evidence that Gollum is like smarter than we were led to believe. Because the way he talks is childish, but that doesn't mean that the way he thinks is is uninformed. Right. Um so yeah, and Gollum and Gollum and Smeagol continue this uh kind of debate and Gollum and- then is, slips in she might help she might yes and uh Sam now is wondering who is she yeah who is she and also is is realizing okay I don't need to be worried about Gollum eating me I need to be worried about Gollum feeling the call of the ring that's what's happening here um, and also, yeah, who is this she? The he is clearly the Dark Lord, but who is this she that she was re- he was referring to? Um, and uh, Sam manages to not let on that he's heard any of this, but, you know, calls out to, to Gollum. What time is it? Just oh, to kind of yeah, pretend snap oh, yeah, it's so early. What time is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, well, they've been walking through the, through, they've been walking through the night and, Sleeping during the day, so it's probably like 6 p.m. or something. Right. And um, still, they barely know each other. It's like they're strangers in the night, exchanging glances. That, no. Bad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Frodo basically says, we're close to the Black Gate now. Show me the way. And Gollum freaks out. And he's like, no, we can't do it. We have to go another way. Well, he freaks out because at this moment, they... Once again, they hear this horrible shriek, Nazgul on the loose, and Gollum says, that's three now, That's that clearly means something, and it's not safe to go this way, and we have to go another way. But this is the this is the one that's flying much faster and much higher and going farther away, and this is the implication that it's then... The Palantir situation. Yes. And basically, yeah, Gollum kind of is refusing to go on, and Frodo threatens him with Sting. Kind of. So I will say we're at the end of the second chapter of book two, mm-hmm. and we're already chronologically to the end of the 11th chapter slash the final chapter of book one. Well. <laughs> uh, this isn't a complaint. This is just me like stating this. Well, like. <laughs> I'm just going to say, uh, yeah, we're at the gates of Mordor, but we have uh, three books to go so far. <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> That won't be the case. <laughs> just, just keep that in mind. It's, a, it's like, yes. it's like the moment in Law and Order when they feel think that they found the killer, and you're like, no, no, we have to go through this whole other rigmarole of three other possible suspects before we come to the conclusion. Oh no, I'm, I, I'm not saying that we're at the end of the line. I'm just saying that the timeline here is dramatically different from the timeline that that is, that happened with the rest of the fellowship. Oh gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. gonna walk in the black gates, go to Mount Doom, and drop it. <laughs> Done. That's it. Because this is basically in the chapter. Nothing else happened. Gollum says, no, we have to go another way. And that's kind of the end of the chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. And we had, you know, we've, we've always kind of dropped passing references to the movies. And one thing I had said before is that the movies really messed with the timeline of the books, especially the two towers. Yeah. And one of the reasons why is because if you're going to tell an alternating story like this, like, 
the reason why the two towers is book one is about Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, Merry, Pippin, and Gandalf. And book two is about Frodo, Sam, and Gollum. Is because you can't tell the alternating stories. Right. And they're two. Because you would have a chapter that was, you know, Legolas and company. And then you would have a chapter that was just Frodo and Sam walking for three days and nothing happening. Yeah. And it's also... I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> what I was going to say. Uh, it reminds me. It reminds me very much of a book I oh, have. Oh, you go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I got it. Okay, so the 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 two. So book book three and book four are two vastly different books in in um in the story that they're telling. Uh, book three is all about this big, huge, epic battle, um, and. The, the fighting and you know t- protecting Helm's Deep book four is a much subtler kind of internal warring that's happening well and also the big the big crux of book three was dealing with Saruman mm-hmm. to a degree as well like mm-hmm. that that if I really were to say anything that would that seem to be the yeah Th- this is this is more of this is more of the death march side of the story mm-hmm. also something to say about this chapter um i i think it's clear to say that the the dead marshes were certainly informed by tolkien's experiences in world war one yes. um when it would rain the land would fill up and cover these dead bodies and imagine how horrible well, we, we read how horrifying yeah. that looks. Um, but additionally, something about this chapter uh, makes you think about um, in classical mythology, um, having to go through like the underworld as part of your, you know, grand kind of quest, right? Like we, we can talk about the Odyssey, um, you know, Kirke sending Odysseus to Hades um, or the Aeneid. Um, Aeneas has to go to the underworld to get a prophecy about um, the ultimate destiny of Rome. Um, and basically what we have is our heroes going through our own sort of version of this underworld, this world of the dead almost with the, the dead marshes. And I just think that's such a cool little nod to classicism uh, that Tolkien uh, clearly being a scholar of mythology would have uh, worked in here. So that, 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 that stood out to me mm-hmm. particularly as well. I've, I'm currently like working on something on my own and I didn't realize that I was writing something currently that is very similar to this. Mm-hmm. Not exactly, but with a similar tone and also appreciation of the literary history of that sort of stuff. Because I dig that stuff too. I like storylines that do that dichotomy, like that that underworld stuff, mm-hmm. but do it in very different ways like, like this did. Um, another reference you can make is Toy Story 3 with the furnace. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. That's the last time I'm going to say that. That's the last time I'm going to say that. Unless you want me to start. That's to say that. But that that's a, another example of that in popular, in popular. Uh, my brain died. Popular culture. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, Chase, what was your favorite moment? We well, we we already referenced it. It was the line. It was the it was I the line about right men being on the edge. 
because it very felt felt that way and i love any sort of imagery like that um i don't remember what it's from but the phrase uh the last man alone with god kind of comes to mind Mm -hmm. and this sort of stuff um i think for me it was i mean and this is very vague like there's a couple of points that i could say this references with throughout the chapter but i honestly just think that there are so many um very tangible uh just 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 flat out descriptions of the dead marshes that are so like haunting and real uh like all of those words that we had like the reek and the filth and um you know like poison pits and stuff (laughs) soggy bread just oh god i don't know it was yeah you can feel the, the grossness in this chapter for me it's that moment where sam like has this concrete realization that Gollum is attracted to the power of the ring because i think that's a really important development for sam who is you know coming into his own more realizing you remember that discussion that we had back way back in fellowship of the ring where they're talking about magic mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know what you would call magic because everything for me is imbued with this kind yes. of like, you know, like I think Sam is kind of starting to understand like the subtle powers mm-hmm. of the ring. And I just think that's a really important moment for his character, especially like in the way that he grows and changes in the next book and mm-hmm. a half. But beyond just Lord of the Rings, anything to suggest or talk about from the past week since we recorded our last episode. I have a horrible one. I have a very mean spirited, but it made me so it's made me so happy on a person. Batman yeah, versus I, Superman. I know the, the, the <laughs> critical response to Batman versus Superman me Batman versus Superman has energized me to some crazy degree because I have been talking horrible things about the even conception of this movie since 2014 and now that it's out and the critical community is ripping apart particularly not safe for work a lot of foul language look up movie bob's review on youtube of better superman oh it oh it 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 filled me with so much happiness i can't explain it but i have talking because i hate Zack snyder i hate everything he makes i hate his production styles and this is something i don't necessarily love dc but I like Wonder Woman a lot, mm-hmm. and this is getting—it was getting really close. And the Wonder Woman stuff's gonna have to be another thing for another day. But this—this this was something I kind of—I I kind of dig superheroes, and this movie was just kind of like flying in the face of all that. And it's getting like it's—it makes it's you f- handed to it and shown to the door. Yeah, basically, it, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? <laughs> So last last Tuesday, I was at the book release party slash discussion for Glenn Weldon's book, The Caped Crusade, Batman and the Rise yeah. of Nerd Culture. And it just happened to occur on the same day that the review embargo <laughs> was lifted for Batman versus Superman. <laughs> so at like six or seven moments, he'd be like, just to pick something randomly, say someone like <laughs> Zack Snyder wanting to interpret Batman, say a movie like Man of Steel. It was really great, him just ripping into it. Because uh, Glenn Weldon is actually in a lot of ways like an apologist for the 1960s Batman series, saying like, this is just, this is as legitimate Batman as any other. You know, this is more legitimate yes. Batman than Frank Miller. Yes. 
It's just I, I, I've heard the story in Batman vs Superman, and I can't believe what I'm hearing. Like I don't know how. Did you have you heard I've, the story? No, no, or no, no, no. The Well, yeah, yeah. But I've heard I've had the entire movie spoiled for me, and I can't believe it. Like mm-hmm. I can't honestly believe it that anybody. It sounds like somebody. Like it sounds like it's like I'm there's like parts in it where I'm going. Well, I see the moment when Christopher Nolan backed out of this thing, you know, kind of things like that. I want no part of I think it was the this. part I was reading about a suicide bombing. And there's yeah. one review in particular that talked about how he's like, I'm having to watch this movie the day some horrible stuff is happening in Brussels. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping for at least some escapism. And I'm not getting that. I'm getting it reminded to me day in and day. Like I'm getting it reminded me throughout the entire movie. And just like, and then rip the movie to shreds. <laughs> well, I'm going to counter that with something really happy and excited and optimistic on my end. Because on Monday, I started a new job at this little company that a lot of podcast listeners <laughs> might be familiar with called Squarespace. Woo! Build it better. No, so, um, as probably all of you are aware as podcasts and listeners, I think Squarespace, I think it's very likely, I don't actually know if this is true, but I think it's very likely that Squarespace underwrites more podcasts than any other company out there. Because it seems like every podcast I listen to has a Squarespace ad at the end of it or somewhere in the middle. Um, that's not going to happen to us. But, Between you know, that and like, what is it, Sherry's Berries? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Casper Mattresses. I actually have a friend who works at Casper, so... Um, yeah, I mean, they're like, there's a subset of companies that very explicitly advertise heavily through podcast underwriting and Squarespace is one of them. And I just wanted to thank you guys as listeners, um, for kind of empowering us to do this show and giving us the reason to keep doing this show. Because in fact, our website, talkingtalking.com is a Squarespace website. Uh, and the reason why I chose Squarespace in the first place is because they underwrote the podcast that I listened to. So that was something I really heavily talked about in my interview is like your company is has this great presence in this area that I'm really passionate about and has empowered me to expand in that area myself. And I really strongly think that that's kind of what got me this job. And, you know, so much of that is because you, the listener, have given us a reason to record every single week and indeed have been paying our <laughs> bills by giving us money and helping us pay for our site and we you know the software we use and the microphones we record on like i really couldn't have done this gotten this job without talking tolkien having been a part of my life for the past year and a half so that's my favorite thing (laughs) the past week very excited i mean i can honestly say as somebody who previously has been doing podcasting stuff for over yeah over 10 years Mm -hmm. Uh, and having to do it basically from scratch, Squarespace has been magical in easing the burden of how, because podcasting is very hard to get right, and they made it so easy. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, mine is very silly. <laughs> uh, because again, yeah, and we had some. Horrible things happen in in the world this pack, past week once again. So uh, I thought I'd pick something random and stupid for my favorite thing for this week. Um, 
I it's it actually the this video was posted like quite a while ago, like on February second on YouTube. But there's this YouTube channel, and I think he does vines too. His name is Bill Wirtz, I think. Um, and it's have you have you seen the history of Japan? No. It's okay. You need to just go to the YouTube's and Google Google on the YouTube's because that's how you that's how that <laughs> operates. Uh, look for the history of Japan because it's hilarious. I don't know what like it's it's but it's it's like a ten minute video all about like the history of Japan from beginning to present. And uh, I I I can't even like I don't have the words. It's just hilarious. But the I then fell down the YouTube hole of watching the rest of this guy's videos. And again, oh, I think happens? he does yeah. a lot of vines and stuff. So like you know six six second videos pretty much. Um, and I don't know. They're just all hilarious and absurd. So it made me smile. <laughs> Yeah, I would I, I would highly recommend you watch out. at least the history of Japan. It's it's hysterical. All right. Well, I think that about wraps us up for this week. Katie, you want to take it over with some of our ending rituals? Yes. So once again, we would like to give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, thank you so much for uh, donating to us as you do every month and helping us sustain our website and purchase new equipment when we need it. We really do appreciate it so, so much. Thank you to Man Devin, Ariel Alm, Brian Osborne, Ji Ying Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Jacob Verma, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, and Micah. And just a reminder to all of them because I'm not too certain exactly how the notification system works for Patreon I don't know if you get an email but if you have paid over $5 to Patreon you should be getting episodes of this podcast every Monday now earlier I, than everybody else when I get done <laughs> editing it I throw it up there so so you should be getting those alright so make sure to check our Patreon page for that and make sure to tweet us comment on facebook send us an email let us know what you think thanks for listening everybody i'm john i'm katie and i'm chase see you next week thank you for listening to talking tolkien you can find us online at talkingtolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at talkingtolkien.com we do our best to respond to each email so please let us know about your thoughts theories and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show we are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if we would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page, where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better-sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge, and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. 